Podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand up to the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Last week, we concluded our five-week-long summer serial, an exciting departure from our usual format, which allowed us to explore the episodic format of I Love a Mystery, which was great. Yay! And now we have a considerable backlog of suggestions from listeners that we have been collecting over the last month or so. That means we're about to launch our Listener Library series, several episodes featuring suggestions from you, our mysterious listeners. We start with a suggestion from Abby, who wanted us to check out this episode of Crime Classics entitled Bunny Baumler, His Close Brush with Fame. Normally, when I get a request from a listener, I forward all the information to Eric and Joshua, but this one was a little different. Abby pointed out a fun bit of trivia regarding this episode, and I decided to bring the story to my co-hosts without revealing what that bit of trivia is. Maybe they already know. Maybe they'll figure it out. We'll find out later. Similar to the Black Museum, Crime Classics was a series dedicated to stories based on actual crimes. The show was created, produced, and directed by Elliot Lewis and was hosted by connoisseur of crime, student of violence, and teller of murders, Thomas Highland. Highland was played by Lou Merrill. An anecdote from Wikipedia. During the fall of 1953, the show was scheduled back-to-back with On Stage, another dramatic anthology created by Lewis. He decided to connect the two, presenting the assassination of Abraham Lincoln on Crime Classics, while on stage featured Our American Cousin, the play Lincoln had attended the night of his death. The experiment was unsuccessful, and according to radio historian John Dunning, earned Lewis a rebuke from network head William S. Paley, who advised him to never attempt anything like it again. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Good evening. This is Crime Classics. I am Thomas Highland, with another true story of crime. Listen. Officer Rudolph Schmitty Schmidt at the scene of a crime in a beer hall in Nuremberg. Tapping a broken beer mug with his polished boot toe. Counting. One. Two. Three. Four. Hmm. Four of them. Four corpses, that is. Officer Schmidt spies the thing. A clue. Buns? Buns? Who left a bag of buns? Officer Schmidt just standing around with a bag of buns and thinking. What a man to have committed such a crime. A brute, a monster, a muscular fiend who liked buns. Tonight, my report to you on Bunny Baumler, his close brush with fame. Crime Classics. A series of true crime stories taken from the records and newspapers of every land, from every time. Your host each week, Mr. Thomas Highland, connoisseur of crime, student of violence, and teller of murders. Now, once again, Mr. Thomas Highland. Scheimerhorn was the master singer of Nuremberg in 1820 and held sway for three golden years until he lost his voice in a manner which sent a ripple of laughter across the continent. Other amusements Nuremberg furnished the continent, clever toys, handsome clocks, and wonderful beer. 
And not too long ago, the city had become part of Bavaria, and its streets now teemed with Tyrolean hats, knitted socks, and jerkins. Somehow a kind of golden glow suffused the city and drifted through its ancient streets, becoming one with the patina laid there by the soft Bavarian music. A place of gentleness and quiet laughter. Stand still so I can hit you! Except at number 23, Brutestrasse. on the wood pile. Even now, Bruno's head has got more brains than you have. Oh, Helga. Helga. Oh, get away. Get out. Please, Helga. Please what? One more chance. Oh, you're small and you're not handsome and you bumble. I ask myself constantly why I ever married you. Because I love you. I'll show you I love you. How? The watch you admire near Kleinholz's jewelry shop? You shall have it. Where did you get 400 marks? <laughs> Elga? Elga, bunnies get away. You know bunnies get away. Oh. Elga, come here. Come here, Elga. Oh, dear. Oh, oh dear bunny. When will you have the watch? Tonight. No hush. That night, there was a quarter moon over Nuremberg, April the 4th, for the Nurembergers, the first night of the Bach beer season. So there was celebration in the streets and the squares of the town, and in the hills all around, by the mayor's decree... Festival of Spring and the Ram. Everybody out, laugh and dance and sing and clink tankards and froyleins and fellows. Everybody out. Now, while all this was going on, at the height of it, Bunny Baumler breaking the window of the back door of Kleinholt's jewelry shop, reaching around and opening the door, sneaking around, crashing into a display case and shattering it. Become alarmed. Another display case. Panic-stricken. Head on into Herr Kleinholz's cuckoo clock. Knocking himself unconscious. Is this not a dirty thief? Being awakened the next morning by the police. Yes, this is a dirty thief. Huh? Did you not commit a crime? Oh. Yes, you did commit a crime. Yes, he did commit a crime. And he was sentenced to three years in jail for breaking and entering. It just seemed that Bunny Baumler put a hex on everything he touched. The fellow inmates noticed this and shunned him. Thus, Bunny became a lonely man. Then one day, three years later, he was released. And he went home. Helga! Helga! Hello, Helga. You're back. I missed you. Why did you come back? Why? To make a mockery of my life again. To make it a laughing stock. I love you, Helga. I love you, Helga. Oh, please don't. Please don't. Oh, Helga. What? What do you want? Why didn't you come and visit me? I'll tell you why. Because I had no time. Because my husband was in jail and I had to work so I would not starve. Helga. What now? I brought a watch. What? A watch, Helga. Remember the last time I saw you, I said I was going to get your watch? Well, here it is. It's not a very good watch. Yeah, I agree. It's not the watch you wanted, but it's all I could afford. I stopped in here at Kleinholz's jewelry shop and I apologized. And with the ten marks the warden gave me, 
I bought a watch. Here, Kleinhardt gave me a special. Such a watch. Oh, let me pin it to you. Well, all right. <laughs> You'll see. I've changed. We'll be very happy and... Oh, Helga. Oh, Helga. I did not mean to stick you. Take this watch. You broke the watch. I worked three years. Oh, get out. Get out of here. Please, please, let me stay. Where will I go? What will become of me? I love you so much. I love you so dearly. Listen, I'll work hard and we'll get rich. I will be rich. And you'll be proud. And you'll wear fine things and ride in carriages. Oh, I do love you so. Why should I fool myself? Fool yourself? I am the kind of woman a man like you deserves. You're beautiful. You're kind and you're gentle and you're understanding. And you're my life. And I love you. Listen. Are you hungry? Yes. Well, here's money. Go to the baker and buy buns. While you're gone, I'll start a rabbit stew. And listen. I love you. And listen. With the change, you may stop at the beer hall and have a glass of beer. A glass of... My Helga! Go, go. How was prison terrible? Uh, lonely. You look smaller. Uh, prison shivers. <laughs> what can I do for you? Bun. Oh, don't tell me which kind. I remember the sticky ones with apples inside. Yeah, a dozen. A dozen. Oh, it is nice to have you back with us, Eva. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Fifteen pennies. Yes. Well? Uh, um, yes? I lost my money. Oh, oh please. Oh, take them. Take the buttons. Your wife will pay later. Take them. Oh, oh you, you must not do that. Oh, please. All oh, right. Nuremberg is now the same. And immediately you came here to buy a beer. Not exactly. Oh, in a beer hall? You did not come exactly to buy beer? Well, I was down the street at the baker's, and I thought I'd drop in to look around, see if anything's changed. Dear, permit me. I am so happy to see you. I must give you welcome. So, a beer on the house. On the house. But your sign up there. Oh, forget the sign. This one is free. Oh, thank you. And besides, this is a happy occasion. Oh? In the back, my husband talks to my daughter's fiancé. How is your daughter? Oh, at last. Oh, congratulations. Oh, and such a dowry. So expensive. Oh, I drink to the young people's happiness. All I did was put down the stein. It must have had a crack. <laughs> Head Brumley's is back. Head Brumley's is back. <laughs> I beg your pardon. That's all
to me. But I forgot the buns. I left them. I'll go out and get some more. I bought the buns, but I forgot the buns. I left them. I'll go out and get some more. Please. Oh, please. Why? Stop mocking me. Just because I forgot the buns, you stand there and mock me for a half hour. You call me names. And you answer to each one. I'm crazy. Is this the residence of Herr Baumler? Yes. May I come in, please? Yes. What is it? What does the policeman want here? Herr Baumler? Yes? Are these your buns? Oh, here. Uh, take them and tell me, are these your buns? Oh, yes. Um, uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes, they're my buns. Then you were in the beer hall of Herrn Frau Schnitzler. Recently? Uh, Herr Schnitzler, you will recall, a big man. Huge. His wife, an Amazon. His daughter, likewise, but heavier. His prospective son-in-law towers over all of them. Yes? A few moments ago, their bodies, the bodies of all four of them, were found in the beer hall. Beaten. Bludgeoned. Dead? All four of them. Murdered. The work of a great criminal. Of audacity and feeling. Of strength and fury and passion. Officer. Of boldness to have murdered four. What a man could do this. Officer, I... A crime unparalleled in the annals of Nuremberg. And I did it. And I did it. Standing there, jaw thrust forward, chest out, stomach in, hands by his side, Bunny seemed to grow. Bunny! It was easy. And stroked Helga's cheek. Whereupon a light kindled in her eyes and glowed as she looked at him. For all at once, Bunny Baumler was special, above the crowd, and no one could laugh at him anymore. to Crime Classics and your host, Thomas Hyland. His report to you on Bunny Baumler, his close brush with fame. A word about police methods in Nuremberg in 1820... It was better to confess, or, as one wit had it, as many people died in the interrogation chamber as on the gallows. And not that the police were particularly brutal. They just wanted to get it over with and get outside again. Again, it should be noted that the Nuremberg police were thorough and persistent, as witnessed the famed 20-year search for Carl Kroger, which ended in our own country, and which caused the notable and bitter exchange of letters between the mayors of Nuremberg and Milwaukee, and later President Polk's manifesto. And so it was then, when in the interrogation chamber, Bunny Bombler said, I did it. The police said, Good boy. I don't know what came over me. Fury. Yes. Blind rage. Yes. Passion. Oh, yes. Tell me why you did it. Those four people, they mocked me. And then you... I told them to stop mocking. And then you... I warned them. And then I you... I picked up an andiron. Andiron? Picked up a heavy candlestick. Heavy candlestick? I picked up a... An axe? I picked up an axe. And then you... Good boy. And the word got out... It was none other than Bunny Baumler who had taken an axe to Herr and Frau Schnitzler and Fräulein Sophie and Herr Gertner, Sophie's fiancé. Suddenly, Bunny's name was on everyone's lips. A hero of frightfulness, a dread colossus, Bunny Baumler, murderer. Bunny? How does it happen you have the name of Bunny? When I was a boy, Majesty. And? 
I was timid. And you ran away when there was trouble? Yes, sir. Then how is it you had the courage to kill four people? I've changed. Four large and strong people. I've changed completely. There was fury, blind rage, and passion. And I killed them. I see. What are they saying about me now? You are the most talked-of person in Nuremberg. Do they laugh? They shudder. And what else? Still, each day, the women congregate outside the prison walls, hoping for a glimpse of you. All right, Jailer. Take him away. tell you a little about this magistrate Bunny just spoke with. He was none other than Adolf Megler, the boy wonder of the early Bavarian School of Applied Psychology. And none other than the Adolf Megler who quipped, show me a man and I'll show you a madness. Adolf Megler, found so often in Freud's bibliography as well as in Gessner's. So, he was a man with a mission, this Megler, as soon as he'd had this chat with Bunny Baumler. He went first to the bakery. There was Something in his eyes when he came yes, in. Yes, yes. Uh, a madness. The way he looked at me. Yes, yes, yes. Please. But I'm trying to tell you, you how... You've known him for a long time? Oh, yes. Tell me about it. Well... Yes. Kaska? Yes? I am Adolf Megler, magistrate. What do you wish of me? Bonnie Baumler served a three-year jail sentence in this cell, did he not? And you were his cellmate, were you not? Yes. What kind of man was he? <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> Bunny? <laughs> Bunny Baumler? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tell me about him. Yeah, I want to. I, I need the laughing. Oh? Oh, a bumbler, a clown. Oh? He was comical. He could never do anything right. Once. Once what? You remember the prison break last year? Hans Kundler and his three brothers? They'd gotten outside the wall. Sneaked right out and the guards had not seen them. So what does Bunny do? Runs over here to this window. And he gets in this chair and yells, Hans! Goodbye, Hans. Tell my wife I miss her very much. Yells and yells at Hans Kundla and his three brothers. They're buried right over there in the graveyard. Oh, let me tell you about There was a thing that happened at the soccer game when we were playing the guard. And Bunny... <laughs> and Bunny... <laughs> I need to know about him, Frau Baumler. What can I say? The kind of man he is. Well, you know the kind of man he is. Fearful, mighty, with no pity, a destroyer. Tell me about your marriage. <sighs> Why do you sigh? My honeymoon, for example. At the spa at Bod Giesling. Oh? A tragedy. Oh? He hired a band of serenaders. Men with guitars and Swiss bells to stand outside our window and play. And? They came right through the window. Robbers. Stripped us of everything. And the next day... What happened the next day? He fell in. Oh? The spa. He leaned over too far and he was almost taken underground. He always leans over too far. Now tell me... Tell you what. Was he ever vicious to you? Well. No. Meek. Yes. A fumbler. 
Yes. He can never do anything right. Never. Let me tell you. What? When we returned from Bob Giesling, when our honeymoon was over, he carried me over the threshold. And when we got into the room... <laughs> but what? What happened? <laughs> questioning all those who had known Bunny Baumler. And this, in summation, was the reaction to Bunny when recalled as the man he used to be. <laughs> so, Adolf posited himself and made mental treatise of this man the papers called the most dangerous criminal of the 19th century. Then he called Bunny into his chambers. And when you're finished taking off his chains, jailer, you may leave. Now... Remarkable. What is remarkable, my friend? That you have the courage to be in the same room as I am. And I am without chains. And I am without a gun. Remarkable. Don't you fear me? I have inquired about you, Baumler. Yes? Old friends, relatives, your wife. Yes? Don't you know? I warn you, I, I killed four people. And it is not safe for you to be near me. For any moment, I may kill again because I... I found it easy to snuff people's lives out like that. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Wow. No, please. That's the story of your life, is it not? What is? Saying please to people. I am a murderer, but I, I am polite. A murderer? Yes, a frightful murderer. Frightful. The most dangerous criminal of the 19th century. My people shudder when my name is mentioned. Well, you're a liar. I am not. You couldn't kill a fly. I'm a brutal, vicious being. <laughs> you couldn't kill a fly. I slaughtered four people with an axe. You did not. Well, you are. Uh, what? If I had an axe, I'd show you. Pity, I have no axe. However, well, uh, that andiron, for example. Andiron, take it. Let's see what you'll do with it. Go on, take it, Bunny. Very well. Give it to me. And now what will you do? What will you do? You are... <laughs> I, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I cannot. I cannot. I Bunny Baumler was thrown out of jail, a fake. Three days later, one Rudy Himmelstoss was found walking the hills outside Nuremberg, still angry and muttering to himself about four people in a beer hall he had bludgeoned to death in a fit of rage. He was hanged. There's only one other thing to say about Bunny. He inherited a fortune. A relative in the New World had died and willed Bunny his wealth. But the boat Bunny took out of Hamburg was none other than the ill-fated Koenig Otto, the first one the one which sank from sight over the horizon and was never seen again. Thomas Highland will tell you about next week's crime classic. Bunny Baumler, tonight's crime classic, was adapted from the original court reports and newspaper accounts by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. 
The music was composed and conducted by Bernard Herman, and the program is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Thomas Hyland is portrayed on radio by Lou Merrill. In tonight's story, Howard McNear was heard as Bunny. Featured in the cast were Irene Tedrow, Edgar Barrier, Paula Winslow, Martha Wentworth, Jack Crucian, and Benny Rubin. Bob Lamont speaking. Here again is Thomas Hyland. Next week, a cave near Navesboro, England, in the year 1758. The remains they dug up had been there 15 years, a time enough for a murderer to have become very respectable. It's listed in my files as Mr. Clark's skeleton in Mr. Aram's closet. The noise it made. Thank you. Good night. to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. That was an episode of Crime Classics and the episode Bunny Baumler, his close brush with fame. Here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast, once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tim picked this one. Um, this was a uh, listener suggestion. Oh, right. But you decided to do it. Yes. <laughs> so who is, who is the listener's name again? Abby. Abby. All right, Abby. We got a lot to talk about. Do we want to know at the beginning, Tim said that there is a piece of trivia in this that uh, is going to be a surprise to us. Do we want to start with that and get that out of the way? Because I have no idea what it is. I'm going to suggest we do because it is a fairly minor bit of trivia. It's... Not to undersell it, but I think if we build too much, it's going to be very disappointing. The guys who wrote it wrote I Spy. Ooh, I didn't know that. Look at you. Wow. (laughs) I I almost told you guys, don't do any research on this, but I'm glad you did. Uh, I didn't do any research on this. Good job. Uh, I I just wrote notes that a lot of them say, what now? What's happening? (laughs) uh, My guess is that the guy that played Bunny Baumler is my real father. (laughs) Possible. Yeah. The, that is the bit of trivia. The guy who played Bunny Baumler. Yeah. Also known for a television role. Yeah. On the Andy Griffith show. Oh, 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 don't say it. Don't say it. You ready? I'm going to show you. I think I got it by accident. I think <laughs> it I got your it. It's ready? Ready? This guy talks like Floyd the Barber. That guy is Floyd the nice! Barber. Nice! I did it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I did it. I thought I was going to say something really witty and funny during this podcast, but no, it is actually Floyd the Barber. That's fantastic. You ever see the SCTV bit where uh, uh, Merv Griffin and Floyd the Barber talk? No. Nope. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Floyd, ooh, hi, oh, hi, Merv, ooh, ooh, and they just ooh back and forth at each other. It's fantastic. So, um... When you took this on, Tim, and you started uh, to listen to this, what's your overall impression of, of this episode of Crime the, Classics? Listening to the, like, the first five minutes or so, I was agape at <laughs> how weird this is. Uh, and it, it, in the background of Crime Classics, they do purposely try to infuse humor into their grim material. And this is weirdly funny and grim. The right. dachshund was a... Right off the Shop bat. the dachshund. <laughs> the best right off the bat was Officer Schmitty oh, Schmidt. Yes. We're looking yeah. for a strong, dangerous man who likes buns. <laughs> I think it was a muscular fiend a muscular, who likes buns. Right, a muscular fiend, yes. <laughs> and uh, he cannot lie. <laughs> so these are apparently true, these crime classics, right? Yes. So I 
did some research uh, because I wanted a, an angle on this that I could not get, and that was to find the actual story that they're talking about. I was hoping that there might be some, you know, historical piece of information on, oh, yes, this guy, Bunny Baumler, lived in this part of Germany and confessed to a crime he didn't do, but I found nothing. Is there anything you guys know of this to make I it true? I found or? one link that spoke of a guy named Baumler in Nuremberg who confessed to a crime he didn't commit. Oh. I'll put it in the wow. post when we uh, post this. Way to go, Google King. Yes. <laughs> I, of course, did not read it, but... Uh, <laughs> it's enough to know it's there. Yes. Right. It's the internet. It can wait. So, okay. Uh, we assume, then, that this is true, and his name is actually Bunny. I didn't see a reference to Bunny as a nickname in this link, uh, although if I post it now and it's just Bunny, 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 I'm going to feel stupid, but... Uh, uh, it did list Baumler okay. as the specific. Well, the, the names are fantastic in this piece, for starters. And, and you know, Bunny, Baumler, and... Well, I, they're German, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> they got a head start on us. There's Helga. Right. There's an Adolf. The wiener dog's name is Bruno, so... <laughs> Again, people uh, don't know how to name pets until, what, 1970? I, th- every time we get an animal in these old-time radio shows, it's like, here's here's Steve. That's No, that's a terrible name for a pet. I'm going to disagree with you and say Bruno is an excellent name for a dachshund. Okay. Well, well, thanks we'll put for a listening. Poll on the website, <laughs> we can decide. I think it's awesome. I might just get a dachshund just to call him Bruno, and I'm going to bring him over, and let him crap at Eric's yard, <laughs> and sleep on the woodpile. <laughs> Let's talk about the stylized dialogue and how it's written like an old fairy tale. As I wrote down, there's no contractions, which makes me a little bit crazy. You know, there's a stylized version of how they're talking that makes them sound a little like robots. Do you understand? Like, like I think fairy it tales? could also be that they are German, and so I think that's something that people yeah. do when they're trying to sound foreign. Well, well their accents were terrible because there were none. They were barely there. <laughs> there was so none. I think the lack of contractions was in lieu of accents. Yeah, it's got a weird stylized or pace to it or something that I can't meant wrap my head around. to imply that this is in the Old? 18th century, yes, before right, they invented right. apostrophes. I also, I also think it was the heavy usage of... Narrator that makes you think fairy tale. He narrates Highland his own keeps story. cutting in yeah. and making the witty observations about everything going on and really reminding you to not take this too seriously. I really enjoyed it. I've never heard of crime classics before. I was yeah, thinking I of another series, Crime Club, is what I confused it with. And I really want to check out more. I actually think it might be interesting to hear a more famous murder case done with this light touch, like yeah. the assassination of President Lincoln <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> with a little light comedy thrown in. Right. I've got to hear that. So overall, I, I really love the idea that he gets caught out because he's a bungling idiot. And it just struck me as, as would, would that be a great way to cover your crimes you're a real criminal <laughs> you just spend your life See, yes messing things yeah. up you do like two years of your best jerry lewis impersonation and then just murder your worst enemy everyone will be like he could never do that <laughs> it's a great cover so the stylized dialogue was difficult for me to get through it was i am going to go here good wife it was I thought things. it added to the comedy things when she said, uh, you are small and you are not handsome and you bumble. <laughs> oh, good. You heard that too? Yeah. <laughs> you thought that was your head? Yeah. <laughs> Talking to you again? Yeah, she uh, had a, a way of every time he said something that all, her rebuttal was just to repeat it back to him. I'm sorry, <laughs> I forgot the buns. Like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot the buns. Yeah. <laughs> You're fun. Gone three years. <laughs> <laughs> he walks in the door and she's on him. There was a couple qualities that went on there that were that created interesting reactions in me. One, uh, not like vomiting or anything like that, <laughs> but to hear a character so pathetic, so put upon, I felt like really bad that everything he touched went wrong in a way that it's not necessarily his fault each time. German schlep rock. <laughs> You stumped the band. <laughs> you don't know Schlepprock? I don't know Schlepprock. Well, Google it. Um, the idea that he is such a bumbler 
I mean, we're using the word bumbler like it's an actual word, by the way. You it's know, it's a great word. I love it because <laughs> it sounds we, like bumbler. We would be, get it, yes, but we'd be using a different word had they not used it, and then we'd be saying a screw up or an idiot or a. a I think bumbler, bumbler, because okay. it has Bruno. this it has this innocent quality about it, like Tim Tim was saying. Yeah, a bumbler is someone he's not even stupid. Butterfingers, almost like what, what we might say is I, the closest. I equivalent. can't remember which is the right, the schmiel or schmazel. One of those is. I don't know which one. <laughs> You've got a lot to Google after this episode. <laughs> but even even when he gets her a watch, it's a pin watch, which first of all, I wasn't that familiar right. with. Like, like, why would you as a bumbler buy a your bumbler. wife a watch with a pin on it? <laughs> he right. stabs her with the Wristband watch. Wristband technology was yeah. very... I had no idea that there was such a thing as a pin watch. So you pin that to your shirt and then you have to look down. <laughs> That's, I was a little confused by that. Maybe we should Google it. <laughs> There's a lot that went on in Germany back then that was just stupid. Here's another thing that I loved about this. Is Buns, officer, by the way, don't get stuffed with apples. and like That was terrible, too. German. They're sweet buns. <laughs> Google it. Those aren't buns. That's cake. That's cake at that point. I loved Officer Schmidt. Schmitty Schmidt. Schmitty Schmidt in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how effusive he was about these crimes both in the beginning we've already discussed the <laughs> muscular fiend who likes buns but then as, as he's describing the murder of the, oh, the, the beer hall family the four of them yeah and it's just the wife on the work of a great criminal of audacity of fearlessness and strength and fury and passion and he would have the kept wife going an amazon <laughs> yes the daughter was likewise but heavier <laughs> nice postmortem dig yeah let me ask you guys this it's not scary, right? No. No, I don't think it's okay. intending no, it's more, to be. No, no it's not intending. So, okay, good. So then my question to you is this. If what's left is a story about a guy who screws up a lot, right, is it interesting? There is the suspicion. I don't know if it was meant to be this is what the story is supposed to be, but did he actually kill them? Because they ah. cut away before the crime happens. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> um. Because there's nothing without what this piece of information you just gave me. Stop laughing at me. Stop yes. laughing at me. And he does get mad. And that's what I thought was going to happen is that they, you know, it's, stop laughing at me and clear, then he kills them all. It's clear he didn't, though, because they have the great scene at the end where the magistrate gives him the opportunity. He just happens to have a tire iron or something there. <laughs> hand and iron. Yeah. yeah, hand iron. He's like, here, go ahead, kill me. And he's like, I can't. Right. Which, so that's that answers it. I think what is interesting about this, and I think I haven't listened to any other episodes in the series, but what it promises is that it is a subversion of the grittiness of true crime drama. This is coming close to an era on radio with Dragnet. Mm-hmm. Um, the same writer and producer did Broadway as My Beat, where gritty, realistic crime drama was becoming in vogue. And here, in contrast, is true crime, but... Let's subvert it. Let's be lighthearted about it. Let's have a sense of humor about Why it. Why take a story that's a true crime story and interject comedy? What's the point? If, if it's an interesting story or uh, terrifying or sad because we feel bad for this guy, what's the point of throwing in all these <laughs> Officer Schmitty Schmidt and all these other <laughs> weird things? I think it comes down to whether or not you think it was successfully funny. Because you, you wouldn't ask why do it if you thought it was funny. You would say they did it because it worked. Do right? you think it was funny? I thought it was it highly was entertaining. Funny. It made me laugh Accident- and chuckle. Accidentally? No, intentionally funny. Oh. But there's inten- you don't think that Officer Schmitty Schmidt was not intentionally. They were <laughs> right. like, ooh, this but is that- ripped from the headlines. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Schmitty Schmidt. <laughs> but well, here's my then- point that pulls me out. I either yeah. want to hear a true crime story. Mm-hmm. Or some kind of wacky sketch. Again, I would suggest that without the historical context of what else like this was on the radio at the time, this was an attempt to take what was a popular genre and give it a new spin to stand out. Yeah. I t- and these are these are experienced writers. These are people who did other radio shows. Like right. Broadway is my beats, a hugely successful yep. one. Uh, Bold Ventures with Bogart McCall. Right. Um, and Elliot Lewis, a very respected producer, except for his... Abraham Lincoln error. (laughs) Uh, So, which doesn't mean it should automatically get a pass from us. All I'm saying is I think it's a very intentional choice. The button of, and in the end, he inherited a lot of money and sank a ship. Yeah, it was, uh, I have a note about that too. (laughs) I found it distracting. I thought it was two genres going on at once. 
It was two different things happening at the same time, and I couldn't settle in on what this was. Is this a parody? Is this a true crime story? And as a true crime story, it's not that interesting. I, I have the idea that this is a subversion within the body of the work of crime classics itself. Uh, looking a little online, they have a lot of more high-profile crime stories that they do. And I would be really interested, again, to hear something about Jack the Ripper. Obviously, we talked about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, do they interject Nero. this comedy into all of this? The, this is their the series is known approach. For, yeah. oh, but, I'm but listening you don't, like, Jack. you don't like Raymond, though, either. So this is kind of like as if no. Raymond was just hanging out <laughs> in the inner sanctum and narrating these true crime mysteries. Okay, you're right. That's beyond me, too. But I, I will say that it won me over with the opening that was so weird such a blend of black comedy and actually pathos. I mean, it took me off guard, so I was more open to just whatever it was because I didn't have a prediction or an expectation. Well, I didn't either. I didn't read anything. I didn't do anything. That's how I, when I get these from you guys, I just listen and look at stuff up like later. Like a chump. Like a chump, right? <laughs> so as I'm, I don't know what to expect, and this comes on, I could not wrap my head around what I was supposed to be listening to. And I think that maybe if I listened to this discussion ahead of time, I might have listened to it differently. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I was expecting true crime stories. Instead, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Do you want to know what made me laugh out loud? When Bunny is brought <laughs> into the magistrate and they say, remove, oh. remove the chains. Oh, oh. I have <laughs> right? the note. I have yeah. the note. And it's just all these chains. <laughs> covered in chains. I wrote, it's uh, Scrooge's partner. <laughs> Marley. Marley, it's Jacob Marley. It is a Marley quantity of change. <laughs> tiny, so I'm glad. Funny. I'm glad we both got that. Because the first chains came awesome. off, and then there was a lot more. <laughs> so many. Floor, like, <laughs> also the gag of when he was robbing the, the store that he collapses into the cuckoo clocks. <laughs> yes. right. <laughs> right. Okay. See, I should have listened to this. After talking to you, and then I went, oh, I get it. It's funny. Or had several drinks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little like an Ernie Kovacs uh, sketch. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good that, comparison. I agree. Yeah. yeah it, it's but also high praise, bit. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. The music was so strange. This little trio of guitar, flute, and I don't know, oboe or clarinet. But Didn't even notice it. But yeah. yeah. It, it, it was very, German pastoral kind yeah, of. And kind of sprightly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nothing scary about this at all. And I love how as soon as he ruthlessly murdered these people or was accused of it, everyone was impressed. The women lined up outside the prison to get a look at him. And at first they were like, that seems a little sexist. Oh, wait, they're German women. That makes sense. <laughs> well, there's something about that that's true of all time, including today, that there's a weird attraction to... It's dangerous, also, dangerous tiny men. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't jot down when this was recorded, but uh, I have to suspect that at the time saying Nuremberg meant something different than saying Nuremberg now. <laughs> All the sweet novelties of Nuremberg. <laughs> Toy stores. <laughs> Burger Meister Meister Burger. <laughs> There'll be no toys in Nuremberg. <laughs> Uh, here's a, a couple of quick notes here. I just want to get off my chest. Uh, he says, uh, uh, he spent three years in prison and everybody hated him and he was shunned by all his inmates. And I got to tell you, being shunned by everybody in prison is not a bad way to get through prison. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty good deal. Three, if I had to do three years in prison, if no one talked to me, I would like, oh my God, that was lucky. I think if you foiled an escape, though, as they described, you you would not be shunned. You'd get some very special attention right. later on. That was the other. Everyone is so nice to this guy, which is the exact opposite of my first point. But like, oh, except his wife, except his wife. Well, even she relents. Like, uh, I'm the sort of wife you deserve. <laughs> Take this money. He loses the money. He gets the buns free anyways. He goes right. to the bar. He gets the beer free anyways. Yeah. For as much as everyone mocks him and he hates it, they still kind of love him, even though he gets like, four prisoners killed or whatever. Like, oh, that guy. Oh, bunny. <laughs> he makes people laugh so hard they are sick. They are bedridden. The <laughs> neighbor right. is bedridden from laughing. That's <laughs> right. I forgot about that little... He got sick from laughing. That's... <laughs> You are a class A bumbler when you can actually, actually pull that off. All right, final verdict on this. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll read my last note. You can probably see it from here, from my screen. Um, 
I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I. That's what I wrote. I I, I will say though that uh, after listening to you guys, uh, it's really interesting to have discussion. I think we've learned a lot about what America could probably learn from our <laughs> podcast today about listening to other people and maybe hearing other opinions. What do you guys think? No, uh, no, okay. yeah. yeah, no. I, I, in all honesty, as I sat here listening, I went. I think I completely missed the point of this. I I think if I had more information, I might have looked at it differently. I did not my three times through. (laughs) That might be part of it, too. I I listen to all of these three times, don't you guys? I listen to three times, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I would say now, in retrospect, it's okay. uh, I get that there's some comedy in here. Yeah, and it's it's weird to do true crime and think that it's okay to make with the funny jokes. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you, Abby. I'm intrigued by this whole show. And it is nice to have a brand new show that I was unaware of. And I am going to dig into some other episodes. And maybe I'll even make Eric listen to more down the road. Yay. Well, I'll listen to him. Yes, I enjoyed it very much as well. I don't know. I would call this a classic. No. Even though it's right there in the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really delightful that this show that is decades and decades old can take me by complete surprise and like this is not at all what i expected well uh <laughs> there you have it <laughs> <laughs> thanks abby thank, thank you, you abby. very much let's uh talk a little bit about the website ah ghoulishdelights.com you may have heard of it our other episodes of this podcast can be found there as well as information about other shows we do because we do uh, we do live performances of old radio shows including at the minnesota fringe festival if you are in the minnesota area You can also go to iTunes and write a snazzy little review for our podcast. Eric looked at me funny when I said snazzy. Snazzy. And so he's like, he doesn't like the word bumbler. He doesn't like a dog (laughs) named Bruno. You say snazzy. This is cool. What's going on here? I don't know, but you got a lot of weird words going on today. Bruno is a snazzy bumbler. (laughs) Just write a review. Yeah, write a review. All right, so I've got the next episode, and that's going to be uh, an episode of Escape, another listener request as we continue this summer uh, taking all of your requests and getting done. Uh, and it's uh, How Love Came to Professor Gidia. Gildia. Gildia. I'll listen to it and I'll get it right. <laughs> We're going to do that one next. So until then. Look out! You're a muscular fiend who likes buns. <laughs>